Hey guys, Brock here. Welcome back to the podcast and happy new year. Starting this new year off with a bang, wanted to really just introduce everyone to Sloan. It's so funny how nowadays we can actually really get to know someone at a deeper level on Instagram and Facebook and through seeing their social posts every single day. You feel like you know a person after a while. And that was the case when I met Sloan a couple of years ago. Sloan resides in Vancouver, Canada and started off in the financial services industry where shortly thereafter she found that she had a knack for helping businesses scale up, restructure, and ultimately just kick ass. She only takes on a handful of coaching clients and one of the things we really got into in this episode was the topic of getting curious. Getting curious about other people in order to connect, getting curious about yourself and ultimately just being more curious about the world. I think that's kind of the theme that we really dove into in this episode. There's a lot of great content in here you guys. Listen in and as always, enjoy. So let me ask you this. So for people that are out there, they're working in the corporate world, and I'm asking you this because you you did this essentially, and this is why this is so beautiful. But like for someone that's wanting to start a business, start their own consulting practice, do something different, but they're thinking to themselves, I don't have any money or I have very little to work with. What are some of those more, I guess, intangible assets that someone can use and employ to actually get it off the ground, if that makes sense. 100% makes sense. One of the biggest things that is a common misconception people have when they're transitioning from corporate or otherwise to being um, someone who's starting their own agency, solopreneur, co-founding something, is that they confuse what they're offering. And at the end of the day, all you really need to do is sit down and reach out to a handful of people every single day and ask them what they need support with. Usually if they know who you are and you give them the opportunity to to respond, they will ask you for support with something that they know you have. Mm. Also think, think to yourself too. It's like, what do people already come to you for advice for? Um, So look, look to your inventory in terms of not necessarily where are you educated, but what are you experienced in and or where does your mind go when it goes down a rabbit hole? Because in that sense, you're interested no matter what, it's going to garner your focus. All you really need to do is have focus, interest, and some good knowledge of whatever it is in order to educate whomever it is on whatever the next step is. You really only need to be two or three steps ahead of whomever you're serving. So intangibly, whether there's resources or not, monetary or otherwise, for a person to get started, literally just start reaching out to people. And if you know what you want to serve people with, ask them how you can support them, utilizing whatever that is, whatever type of service it is. If you've created a product, ask people to try it out. But be like literally be of service and just ask ask people, reach out directly and get people's feedback. Feedback is huge because you can think that whatever you're creating the market wants, the market might not want it. So survey and start with people, you know, exactly. Yeah. That that's so, so huge. And I, I hope everyone like tattoos that on their forehead, you know, go to people and ask how you can serve. Can you give us like a couple examples? Cause you know what, like you actually did this to me, like you've done this several times and I don't know, like maybe it was subconscious to a level, but there was the part of me that was like, no one does this. And, and maybe that's why I like you, Sloan. Like, no one does that. Like, 
nowadays it's all about everyone wanting everyone else to like their shit, like take, pay attention to them, but like, give us a couple examples of how one can go out and just say, Hey, how can I help you? Like, how can I serve you? I I love that. That's huge. It could be something as simple as there's, is like a conversation, for example, that leads to something else. Like think about the things that you keep close to your chest that maybe you don't share with the people that are close in your life personally or professionally, just ask people to be a sounding board for them. Ask Mm. them questions, ask them how they're feeling, ask them how they're doing. Literally what will take people to the next level in their lives, even if you're not someone who's offering quote unquote business advice, is tapping into them personally to see what's going on and coming up for them. A lot of the time people can walk through a day without anybody asking how they are. And when you receive that question, you get to honestly respond. And then that usually triggers something in the other person. And then you work through whatever that is, whether that's a work hurdle, a personal hurdle. And for me, one thing I'm good at doing, so I've been told, is helping people communicate how they feel, what they feel. So their words land with whoever they want to connect with. So it can be as simple as a conversation. That's so, so huge. I I hope everyone here's that again that's like that's literally crazy that most people do go through their day without anyone asking them how they're feeling or how how things are going like there's kind of this i guess idea that we have to just be like these machines all the time so i think that's beautiful so let me ask you this this just came to my head when you were saying that Mm -hmm. what what is the way or a couple ways because you are very good at this like how do you break through people's walls of getting past the surface shit to like, how are you really doing? You know what I'm saying? Like, how do we uncover those layers? And, you know, without being invasive, obviously, and certainly there's an element of trust that has to be in there, but mm-hmm. like, how does, how does Sloan open people up? Like, how do you do that? I find that you, and I should, shouldn't say you, I'm a stand for other people. No matter whether you know someone or not, you can immediately create a safe space for them to be vulnerable. Let them know that they are, you're here to listen, understand, respond, that you have their attention. And for me, it's like going the next layer, whatever the next layer is, and people will be resistant. And this is why we get to be a stand for people and reach out to them and support them and help them clear whatever's going on for them. So like, if you and I were having a conversation, Brock, and I was like, how are you doing today? And I could tell that your response was really surface, but something else was going on. I would just go another layer and I would say, I'm not buying it. Let me know <laughs> what's going on. Let me know what's going on. I'm here to hear you. I'm here to support you. Like, don't beat around the bush with people. Just really be direct. Let them know that you're here for them in confidentiality and that you'll do whatever it takes to support them, like whatever it takes within your power. So create a safe space and keep going another layer. Don't take people's face value response for they're okay. It's like, you know, when a guy says to a girl, like, are you okay? And she says, fine. She's not fine. Keep asking. (laughs) (laughs) So the same goes for everyone. But people just really want to be seen, heard, and have someone respond that's actually listened to them, not kind of like looked through them. It's a really big deal. I think 
I think as a society nowadays, and you know, it's not good or bad. It's just kind of what, what we are doing nowadays, I think, but people lack so much patience, I think. And, you know, I, I think we could spend the rest of the podcast talking about how many, how many like LinkedIn spam messages we both get on a weekly basis. Like Sloan, it drives me crazy. Like I literally don't understand what people's methodology is. It's like, Hey, Brock, I just connected with you. Like, mm-hmm want to buy this this and this like can you do this for me it's like whoa i don't even know you dude like <laughs> I, I think there's there really is if you can be that type of person that genuinely takes an interest and doesn't go for the jugular <laughs> right away mm-hmm. like it really does set you apart so how can people be more patient how can people develop that trust a little more like we've talked about just saying hey i'm going to be a sounding board for you but like you know even in it does not just have to be in business, I guess, but like, what are some other ways that you have effectively done that? Cause you are really awesome at that. Thank you. One of the ways that I, I, I operate and always have just, this is innately how I am. I'm curious. I'm really curious. I'm interested. I ask a lot of questions because I want to know. So mm-hmm. for someone else, anyone else, who really wants to develop a relationship with someone, whether it's strengthening a relationship, deepening a relationship, whether it's business or it's personal, literally just get present and be interested. Focus outward. There's a reason why people are so quote unquote busy, which by the way is a word that I banned at the start of 2017 and it's changed my life. Okay, we're coming back to that. We're coming back to that in a sec. Keep going. When you slow down and focus outside of yourself, you literally expand time and you make things not about you. You still get to connect and relate and share. That's where curiosity develops. Like imagine if we were all walking around in our heads being like me, 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 me all day long. A, doesn't serve anyone or anything. And how interesting is that? Like life is about learning And life is also about connection. So connecting with another person, learning about them, literally just be curious. Like, is it not more fulfilling when you're like sitting on public transportation or an airplane and you glance over at the next person and you ask them a question rather than sitting in isolation for like five hours? Just like ask yourself how you feel when you connect with someone and you learn something versus staying closed into yourself. So curiosity and interest which I think is easy. That's huge. So, so I want to, I want to get more on curiosity. Sorry. I'm like a squirrel jumping from tree to tree, like seeking out the acorns. But um, like, I think also when you, when you actually take an interest in other people and get curious, it, it de- I don't know, for me at least, it develops a whole new level of empathy for somebody. Like you could think your neighbor was a total asshole because you've only seen them in one, in one way when there's probably a little more to the story and unless you actually got curious about that neighbor and like really uncovered what was really going on maybe they're in pain like god knows like maybe they just lost someone mm-hmm. you know, it, it develops this whole new level of empathy i think Major. which which then makes us just just better human beings and you know <laughs> more more enjoyable to be around but let's let's go back to god i don't even know this is so good Sloan. um Let's go back to the being busy thing because I also had another gentleman on the podcast named Ty Ward, great entrepreneur. He also told me he he kind of like banned that word and it also changed his life. 
Tell us why that's so important for you and, and how did you start to kind of make that change? Because it is kind of a cop out. Like you ask someone how they're doing, like, how are you doing? Oh, busy. What the hell does yeah, that, that mean? Like, like it's busy, <laughs> busy is ridiculous. At the start of 2017, I, I abolished or banned two words, one being busy, the other being overwhelmed. And it's it's kind of like this for any words that you use on a daily basis. Replace the words and you will literally change the state in which you show up in mentally, physically, everything. Um, simply saying that one is busy, as you mentioned, it is a 100% cop out of avoidance. In reality, many or most adults have a full plate. That's kind of what I replaced busy with. You can stretch the plate, you can create time, you can create space. Busy is one of those things that, I don't know, it doesn't even make sense to me anymore, but it was something that turned into like a buzzword. Like you remember, um, I don't know, there's, there's buzzwords that go on all the time, but I was like, I'm just over it. I'm completely over it. I don't want to hear it. I don't want it to be part of my life. It just gets to be replaced. And similar with overwhelm, like, you know, when you have a list as long as your arm, you don't know where to start. I was like, that, that too is bullshit because it's really just in the way you approach things. So right. take a step back, remove the word literally, and just assess and attack and replace any word that does not give you an ideal vibrational state. Those two get to go. So when you, when you abolish that word, like, and, and obviously you can still be productive as hell and not be running around like a chicken with their head cut off all the time. Mm -hmm. How, how did that shift for you? Cause I know, and, and I want to get into your brain a little more with this. Cause I know you're like extremely productive and you've, you've given me some like great productivity tips, which I struggle with. Like it's definitely one of my demons. It's just like blocking out distraction and going to work and, and performing my best work. But like, how does one still be productive, but not be in crazy mode? <laughs> I, I feel like it's all in how you frame things. Cause I'm technically like diagnosed ADHD. So I'm productive though. I definitely get to get in my own mind to get myself into that state. And how I do that is it's not comparing. It is understanding. So one is if there's someone else doing what I'm doing, who's in a worse off place than me, then why can't I do it? So for example, when my mom was still alive, she was living with polycystic kidneys. So every day she woke up, I asked her how she felt. And she said she felt like she woke up without, with feeling like she had a hangover without the drinking, but that was just the state she woke up in and carried on every day in her life. So in my mind, when I'm not being productive, when I'm not being a high performer, I'm like, you know what? I'm like, those people who wake up not feeling 100% that still give their 100% every day, I'm like, I have nothing to complain about because I started off with an advantage. Or another example, Jesse Eitzler, who I was fortunate to coach with back in 2017, four kids, wife, everybody works. Yep. It's you make a decision. You make a decision to what gets prioritized, what gets focused, who you show up for, how you show up, and you can literally pack whatever you wish into a day so long as you create habits and structure to a degree and healthy boundaries. 
Um, but yeah, it's, it's literally all a choice in how you frame things. So just reframe it. And I had a broken foot twice. I had two bunion surgeries on different occasions. And like today, when I don't feel like getting off my ass and like doing a workout or doing like a run, nothing compared to yours, but a little run. I remember the days that I was like sitting on the couch with my foot laid up and I was like, Oh my God. I'm like, I still have like six to 11 weeks until I can actually like go out and work out. So when I don't want to move my butt, I'm like, but I would have given, given anything then to get to. So now that I can, I will. So reframe. It's so true. It's so true. Like if Mm -hmm. everyone, if everyone literally woke up every day and just acknowledged and remembered that someone always has it worse, like it's a game changer. Mm -hmm. Like the whole life changes. Gratitude. Yeah. It's you get to be resourceful no matter where you are. It's and live a life of no excuses. So for example, if you are not in the same environment every day, if sometimes it's a little less cushy than others, you don't have the things around that quote unquote make it ideal working conditions. And I say working, I mean literal work, working out, just existing in your world. Make the best of whatever that looks like and be resourceful because you get better in life when you learn how to operate in less than perfect conditions. So challenge yourself. Like, Can you say that again, please? Mm, you, so good. You, <laughs> you grow in life when you learn to work in less than perfect conditions or operate in less than perfect conditions. So even in the world of like working out, for example, if you are used to working out first thing in the morning, because that's like when you have the most energy, do your workout at a point in the day where you're exhausted and still crank it out the same. You get better. You're working in less than perfect conditions. One small example, but an example nonetheless. This is so true. And I'm I'm so glad you brought this up because I was I was pondering this yesterday. Like I'm going through it's, it's like a tough week slash month. Like there's been some challenges, mm-hmm. but I was thinking it truly is when you get, as you would say in Canada, resourceful, I would say resourceful, <laughs> my favorite, um, <laughs> my favorite. Um, but it's really, it's really when you dig deep, like you truly get better when stuff is not easy. And so I think, you know, one question I would have for you is how do people kind of train or condition themselves to actually be okay when shit goes bad, like be okay when there's the unexpected and like actually say, cool, bring it on. Like, this is my moment to get better despite how sucky it is right now. I know you've probably had, I know you've had, Mm -hmm. uh, and we're going to get into it. Challenges, struggles, like your life hasn't been all cushy. Mm -hmm. You know, how have you conditioned yourself to thrive in imperfect environments? How I've done that is acknowledgement. I've been very real with myself and acknowledged where I am in that moment, what's causing me to be there, what way of being that I'm embodying that's keeping me there. And then I look to where I want to be and kind of connect the dots and how do I get there? No matter what situation you're in or what challenge challenge, pardon me, you're facing, simply being honest with yourself and acknowledging wherever that starting or that ground zero or that baseline point is, it's massive because you have somewhere to measure from. If you're dishonest with yourself about whatever that is, you will have a less accurate measurement of going from A to B. And the whole point is getting out of whatever that 
situation or circumstances so you can get to whatever's next. So next, pardon me. So being honest. And the same goes for when you're supporting someone else. One of the biggest things you can do for them is A, support them acknowledging where they are and also acknowledging what gifts they have um, right now to get them to where they want to be next. Because we often see things in other people that they don't see in themselves. So you too, like if you're someone who has a really difficult time giving yourself acknowledgement of what's going on in your life and you need to get out of a certain state or place, ask someone you know who will give you brutal feedback and they will help you. That's so good. That's so good. Um, yeah, I think I think the more we kind of make our mantra like, hey, let me look at my whole life here. Like I've gotten through challenges before, which means I can get through it again. And yeah. like this mentality, like, yeah, shit sucks, but I'm going to find a way because I always have found a way. I think, tell me if you would agree with this, Sloan. Like, I think, and I, I'm not going to ask your age. I can't remember exactly how old you are. But I think you're, you're fair. Oh yeah. We're super close. So mm-hmm. I'm 37. So I think it's interesting because like people in their twenties and probably both of us experience the same, like, when we're in our early twenties, like we haven't been punched in the face a lot yet. Like, and so it's kind of more dramatic. You're like, Oh my God, like my life is coming to an end. Or like now nowadays, like the most common one. Oh, I didn't, I didn't become a millionaire by age 30. Like mm-hmm. my life sucks and failure. Oh my like, gosh. yeah, I know we could, we could talk about that. So like, funny. How, how do, you know, how do people, is it just experience? Like how do we condition ourselves more no matter what our age to just be okay with it? Like, to, to, you know what I'm saying? Like be more resilient. Totally. I, I feel it's again, a, a total reframing of how do I say this? It's just again, like acknowledgement and reframing. So one of the biggest things too, is like time becomes irrelevant when you are committed to growth every single day in health. Like I personally feel healthier today than I did in my 20s. I've got more wisdom and experience today than I did back then. Acknowledging that you're further off ahead, even though you've been put through the ringer half a dozen or a dozen or a dozen times two over. It's simply just knowing that if you're committed to taking action on a daily basis, time doesn't matter because you can move at mock speed and get to where you want to go very quickly if you're willing to take risks, if you're willing to fail, if you're willing to receive feedback, ask for it. I I don't feel I'm behind. I definitely know that there's people in my life that are in completely different places than me, but they maybe haven't taken as many risks, um, done the things I've done, and their time to slow down or experience whatever hurdle they're going to experience in their life has not yet come. So I think just really being resilient and understanding that so long as you're healthy, growth oriented and moving forward and committed, time becomes irrelevant. It's what you do with it. So mm. totally that agree. Sense. That's brilliant. So I want to ask you this, um, cause I think our listeners always seem to really connect with, with the struggle piece of, of all of our guests on this podcast. And it's just real. So mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you very specifically this last year, since it's now all of three days into 2019, mm-hmm. in 2018, what was one of your biggest struggles 
tell us about what happened and kind of tell us where you are with that. Maybe you're still in it or maybe mm-hmm. tell us just how you kind of worked your way through it. What was your biggest struggle? Any category of life? I feel like there were several, though there was one that literally changed my state. So it kind of affected everything else. I was in a very large motor vehicle accident in February. No one was hurt, like physically. There's myself basically in the accident. I was very fortunate. My vehicle was 80% written off. I walked out without a scratch that said, there after that, I had no idea that I was living with PTSD um, from the point in time the accident occurred until kind of like the the court case was resolved and I shouldn't say finalized, but yeah, resolved, finalized, whatever ha- happened. I was on my phone texting, note to self, note to everyone listening. So don't be on your phone. Not good things can happen. Um But I didn't know that I was living in a state of PTSD. And I only realized that when I received a phone call in December and it triggered something and it took me back to that state. And it was a state of a lack of focus. My physiology was off. There were so many things, just like sensitivities that disallowed me to play full out, like be my full potential, be the person I was prior to that. And the the big thing was I was unaware that that was my state until it was re-triggered. I knew I wasn't myself basically like from February until the start of September, but I really didn't, I didn't put the pieces together that that was what that was. So if anyone is listening and they have PTSD, have experienced it, are living with it, know that a a way to get yourself out of it is to speak to someone who has it, has been through it, can relate to whatever your experience is. I think people who try to relate to what it is give off the wrong empathetic vibe. And I shouldn't say wrong, like anyone being there for anyone is really appreciated. Just sometimes if a person hasn't experienced it, it becomes discounted. And yeah, like the the punchline is listen to what you're feeling, your body and your mind when they're connected. It's a really, really strong response. And you get to take a step back and do whatever it takes to walk yourself through that. And for me, taking a step back and walking myself through that was not comfortable because I didn't know why I couldn't play at the level that I used to because I didn't know what was going on with myself. So roundabout way that was the most massive challenge of last year because it's like think about even like playing a sport and you get injured and you don't realize you have the injury so you're not playing full out but you can't pinpoint why you're not and then you realize it and kind of connect the dots in reverse so this year gets to be catch up well that's that's a really good observation um and I think I think everyone listening can relate to that. You know, we all have trauma, whether that's small or large. Like, mm-hmm. for example, like I wasn't in a car accident per se, but like when my parents got divorced when I was 13, oldest kid, three younger siblings, like I literally just buried it and didn't talk about it and just acted like I was fine. But it resurfaced years later. 
And it was like a huge lesson just to realize, man, I should have like talked to someone, even though I didn't want to, even mm-hmm. though I thought it was fine, like I should have talked to someone. So that's a huge lesson, I think, for people. And that I think kind of ties back to what we were talking about earlier too. Like mm-hmm. if we can be that person that genuinely takes an interest in someone, gets them mm-hmm. to sincerely open up, like you might be that saving grace for that person. Exactly. And you, it can be you being that saving grace for anyone. It doesn't have to be someone, you know, it could be someone who's a complete stranger, but just seeing someone and being there for them. And as you mentioned, yeah, acknowledging and working through any form of trauma, small or large is a huge, huge deal. Acknowledging that and clearing it is ultimately what will bring you joy, bring you peace. And burying it will do the opposite. Yep, 100%. So I want to I want to shift and, and ask you about this. And we were kind of talking earlier, and I just said I feel I feel impressed that we need to bring this up in the podcast. And it's around the topic of kind of ridding our lives of toxic people. Mm-hmm. And I know that may sound like a strong word. You're like, oh my god, toxic? Like, <laughs> like, but you know. I think that's just kind of real. Like there's people that don't serve us and I'd love to just kind of tap into your brain for a minute. Cause I know you've certainly had people that didn't serve you in your life mm-hmm. and uh, maybe they had a time and a place, but it took some effort. It took some hard work for you to cleanse, cleanse your life of them. So would you mind sharing a little bit on that? And, and maybe we can just relate that to some of our listeners. Cause I think it's a big topic for this year. 100%. And I actually have a resource for that too, with which I'll, which I'll share later. Um, but it is a big detox is not a bad word, by the way. Detox or did I use detox? You said toxic. I'm saying detox. That's okay. I feel like person's in a constant state of cleansing in their life, and when you do have toxic energy in your world, you get to make a choice and create distance from whatever that is and clear it. And oftentimes we are so used to operating in that condition that it becomes natural for us. So for example, I was so used to existing and operating in a certain condition around someone who I love and adore, though kind of stole my worthiness, kind of stole my power, kind of beat down my confidence. So to me, that's clearly toxic. That did not get to exist in my life. I got to acknowledge what was happening and regain those items plus many more but it's it's you taking a look at yourself and realizing okay where am i how do i feel and how do i want to feel and then changing what that looks like chill as i mentioned chill modern meditation which i've co-founded we have a free 21 day detox your life to Clarity, Peace, and Wild Success Meditation Challenge. And literally across 21 days, there's exercises to do clearing, acknowledgement, creating, various things like that, which is an effective tool. Like I was just going through it yesterday, just like going through the days and like seeing what I created. And I'm like, once you rinse and repeat whatever those steps are, you you don't really create room for anything toxic in your life. I think one of the biggest things is just creating distance. You do not need to respond to someone who doesn't make you feel good. 
respond eventually, make a choice, but don't continuously put yourself in whatever that environment is. This is not a great example, but it's like similar to someone who wants to be clean and sober, putting themselves in the environment of people who fuel their habits. Like why put yourself in a situation that you know doesn't serve you when you want to be a certain way, but when you're in that particular environment, it's the most unhealthy thing for you. Same goes for relationships where someone maybe is intimidated by your confidence, intimidated by your way of being. So they maybe not even intentionally, but they get defensive, they get a lack of confidence in them and they start projecting that onto you. It's up to us to take responsibility to notice that and make the choice to not be present in it anymore. I think one of the biggest things is, re- is responsibility and then action. So okay, so that's, that's so huge. And, and I'm going to bring this up because I know it's the elephant in the room for a lot of people. And I'd love to get your take on it. Like mm-hmm. I, I have had people and I know you have to, like there's people that have come up to me and they're like, Brock, I've been in a marriage for 17 years. I hate my husband. <laughs> like literally mm-hmm. I hate my husband. Like those words, I'm super unhappy, but I feel like I have so much invested. Like he's controlling, he's this, it could be a she too, like whatever. Mm-hmm. But in that situation, like, I know what I've kind of said <laughs> to people mm-hmm. like, and I'm, I'm certainly not a relationship expert by any means, but I, th- I think there's consistency across the board, no matter what the situation is, when you're trying to reach yourself of something like that, what, what's the measurement for you of, of kind of determining, Hey, this isn't good for me. Like I need to get rid of this. I need some space. Like, what do you tell that person? Well, I actually have a really simple exercise for this too. Um, when a person gets to the point of being frustrated in whatever type of relationship they're in, a person has a tendency to really project just naturally that it's the other person did X, Y, and Z, and it has little to do with oneself. So there was, there is a reason why a person's in that relationship in the first place. So my suggestion is always a go back to the core of the relationship, make a list, like a list of then and now. So like the then when you were like madly in love, what existed? What was happening? What did your relationship look like? What did you guys do? What did your work look like? What did their work look like? Did you guys travel? Kids involved? Um, Whatever it was, write that down. And then next to that, column B, write down current ways of being, um, what you do with yourselves now, um, what big things exist, what environment do you live in? What does your work look like? And just like really compare and contrast the two and just be like, when things were working, these elements were in place. When things are not working, these elements are place are in place. And then you get to sit down and have a rational conversation and align accordingly. Find out where like the chink in the armor is essentially. And you either get to both acknowledge that and correct it or decide that you want to grow apart. Depends what point you're at in your relationship but I again it comes back to like just taking responsibility for oneself and acknowledging rather than blaming because that is a vicious circle 100% and and I I really appreciate that you even said that because I think I think a lot of times those people in those situations like what's their answer like I'm gonna get a divorce like or I'm gonna leave them yeah but 
that's so huge. And I, I just love it. You said that because there was at one point something working like there, there had to be, you know, <laughs> like, exactly. And, it's, it's, it's like math. It's like when you exchange the variables or you replace the variables, things change. So for example, like one of my favorite people to listen to relationship wise, her name is Esther Perel. I don't know if you've ever heard of her. She's a yeah. Belgian psychologist. She's amazing. But it's like when certain elements are not present in a relationship, the relationship changes. So when people in romantic relationships, um, they lack desire. They don't let the uh, they don't see the other person in their power. When they fail to communicate, connect, intimacy goes away. It's like what's left? You have a friendship at the end of the day, and like, are you? a cheerleader of your friend? Are you beating your friend up? Like what's going on? Like there's certain elements and variables that get to be present in a romantic relationship. And bottom line, if those go away, obviously the relationship changes. And then people start seeking those variables elsewhere because they're too lazy to confront or they're too ashamed to acknowledge themselves or the other person. And it's easier to show up as who you want to be to someone brand new rather than being who you really are to the person that you owe the acknowledgement to. Mm. Does that make sense? I love it. I love it. Um, can you maybe give us an example and you don't obviously have to name names of course, but like mm-hmm. an example of, of kind of cleansing someone or people, certain people out of your life and a, how you did it and kind of be what the result was. Let me think. After, after, Sloan, after you had exhausted all those, those you know, practices, like you, mm-hmm. you whether that was like an intimate relationship or just, you know, someone that wasn't serving your higher calling anymore, but like you've exhausted that, you found that they're truly not good in your life. So yeah, give us an example of kind of how that whole process went. And if you don't mind, if you can think. Yeah, of- no, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't, I'd also say not that the process of evaluation didn't go good, quote unquote, It's just that over time, sometimes you're not in alignment anymore in whatever that relationship is, because over time you grow, sometimes you grow together, sometimes you grow apart. So for example, the relationship that I was in for seven years, at the very start, we were quite aligned. We were aligned for the bulk of the time, but then major life events happened, which our ways of being changed, which in turn changed the relationship. There were major career changes. Um, My partner moved firms. We'd moved homes, sold various things, um, externalizers, uh, previous relationship on his part, various things. Divorces are not simple to handle, even if they are several years settled. It's, it's, It's one of those things where, like, we still have a good relationship. We're really good friends we've just shifted the trajectory and type of our relationship, but you get to decide where you're in alignment and where you're not and what you need. Like at the end of the day and at the start of every relationship, you either commit to growing together and kind of like outline your needs or you don't. And I think it's a really dangerous thing if people don't acknowledge and share up front what they need and what they want, because if you're working towards something and someone else is working towards something completely different, then inevitably there's going to be a breaking point, right? Which is why it's good to check in along the way with whomever your person is. And my person and I, again, this is why it's like externalizers get to be acknowledged too. There came a point in time where we were 
like maintaining or managing whatever the relationship was or stress level rather than growing it. And then triggering event happens, someone starts beating the relationship up, someone becomes resentful, again, turns into a vicious cycle until it gets to a point where neither of the people want to hurt the other person. So then you turn to acknowledgement. Are we in alignment? Yes or no. Move on together or apart. So it's just, it's really being responsible in your relationships too, which I've been very fortunate for. Um, Cause I know not everyone's like that. There's people who don't acknowledge, don't like closure, won't be honest about their ways of being and doesn't work. So yep. at the end of the day, awesome. yeah, we, we want, we wanted for each other and the other person's life peace. If that peace meant not being together then that's the solution, right? Right. Well, I think, I think that's a very mature way to handle it. Um, not and, without hurting people in between. Yeah. In a roundabout yeah. way. Yeah. And, and always very tricky and always very delicate. Um, well, this is fascinating. I mean, we could, we could, we should, we should probably have like a whole, like round two podcast Thank of you. just talking about like relationships, business, personal friendships. Cause yeah. I definitely think it's something that you've got some amazing insight on. Um, in parting Sloan, where is the best people, uh, the best people, where's the best place for people to say hello to you on social or otherwise? The best place I would say on Instagram at my name per se my name chill literally i respond to almost every message that i get so if you've got a question want to ask me something hit me up there um yeah we can probably drop a link below or something like that i'm very simple to track down i've got websites (laughs) i've got social handles I love Facebook, but I don't live on there as much. I do, and I'm going to bring it back on Instagram stories daily, a little food for thought. It's kind of like whatever concept pops into my head that day. It's made a cognition. So it's like if you tune in, you get to think about what I'm thinking, apply it to your own life and put it to test. So yeah, join me there. I, I love, I love thoughts. You you. I love your thoughts. And and everyone listening, like you've got to tune on, you got to tune into thoughts with Sloan daily. Like, <laughs> like they're amazing. Like, and I would add, you always have this way of like getting the sunlight directly behind you when you're shooting <laughs> these thoughts. Like it, it's like angelic. It's like, ah, Aww. it's so you're good. Amazing. Well, it's gloomy so, in Vancouver. So it's going to be the fire behind me now instead. Right. Right. Well, everyone, uh, I hope you guys have enjoyed this. I'll have links to, um, you know, find the resources that we've talked about for Sloan and everything else. And Sloan, I would love to have you back on the podcast. I, I just really appreciate your time and your insight. It's been amazing. Thank you. You are amazing. Thank you so much for having me here, Brock. You're literally one of my favorite people. So it means a lot. And I'm grateful to get to connect with your people. So I will I'm totally honored. Back. I'm totally honored. Well, thank you so much. And thank you everyone for listening. And we'll see you guys on the next one. Bye. Bye.
Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that episode as much as I did. Sloan is so easy to talk to, and if you guys want to go and say hello to her, make sure you do it on Instagram. As I mentioned during the podcast, I highly, highly recommend following Sloan on her Instagram stories every day or every few days at the very least. It seems that she's got some just amazing thoughts on there three to five minutes maybe worth of content that always just brightens my day so make sure you check that out and in the show notes i've also got links to her website she's got uh, a newsletter and some weekly tips that are totally kick-ass make sure you guys subscribe to those and if you've enjoyed the podcast thus far please share it with your friends and make sure you subscribe we're going to keep the great content rolling this entire year thank you guys so much hope everyone has an amazing week and we'll see you on the next episode